Hello again, everybody, and welcome again to the State of the Division. I am your co-host, Rob Scott. I'm joined, as always, by Tyrus Grimm. Tyrus, we've got a lot to cover in this edition. I know that we've been away for a little bit. It's always good to be working with you again and glad to have you back on the broadcast. Uh, a lot going on, Ty. Yep, thank you, Rob. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There's several stories. I know typically in our shows we like to focus on one topic, but there's just so much going on right now. Uh, I think in our pre-show discussion we had decided to hit a multitude of topics. Um, uh, just right off, we did a show on the pipe bombs that were sent to Democrats and there's um, big backers, and it's come through in the news that a 56-year-old Florida resident by the name of Cesar Sayoc has been arrested for that. Uh, apparently, according to the news briefing that I had watched, they had linked him to it through DNA and fingerprints. So, you know, we say... Um, innocent until proven guilty so right now he is alleged pipe bomber um, but it's looking like they got him pretty solid Rob they got him physical evidence has he been formally charged yet Ty? yes he has been charged this is of course because it was threats from government officials this is secret service and FBI running the show and you know they're all official they're going to dot the I's and cross the T's and you know, if it drags the whole thing drags out for a year, they're going to make sure that there's no detail left unchecked. Um, has there been uh, has has Mr. Sayok had his first day in court yet? I mean, mm-hmm. has there been a plea uh, one way or the other as of yet? I have not seen that in the news yet. There may have been. Um, I just know that. He is the one right now that they're formally charging with this, and I did not hear of any other individuals in cahoots with him. Um, the only blurb I did hear is he apparently is a very strong supporter of President Trump. So on the surface, this appears to be politically motivated. Well, and and there's a lot that I that I'm sure that you and I both can say about that, and I'm sure that the. Uh, well, as as you mentioned in the last uh, broadcast, a, a lot of uh, internet uh, conspiracy theorists have already uh, voiced their opinion, and I like to stress opinion on uh, the motivation and the wherewithals of, of everything involved. But when it, when it comes down to the cold hard facts, uh, this is just as we know it uh, right now, and in uh, you know, and and I'm I'm whether. What his motivations were is, is, is irrelevant. I'm glad that uh, the authorities was able to uh, find this individual and stop a, a, a terrorist. So um, if he is indeed guilty, I must stress, because as you just said, it's, it's innocent until proven guilty. So, uh, again, these are all just allegations. But if the allegations are true, I'm glad this cat isn't going to be able to bother anyone. Uh, I feel the same way. I mean... I do typically lean more conservative towards my views. I did vote for Trump. I am a Trump supporter, but I do. Oh, absolutely. You do. Yeah. Uh, but um, like you, Rob, I do not condone trying to blow up your political adversaries. I mean, that's, 
I realize people have been doing that for centuries upon centuries, trying to take out the political opposition. That's how countries are overthrown and this and that. But I just, I don't buy into that. That's just homegrown terrorism, and I, I don't buy into it. Speaking of uh, homegrown terrorism, uh, I'm, this guy I don't think was actually convicted of any uh, terrorism um, charges, but a guy who was definitely involved in a lot of criminal activity in uh, Boston and in the state of Massachusetts, Whitey Bulger. Did you hear about this guy? Uh, Whitey Bulger um, killed in a West Virginia federal prison just, uh, from what I understand, within hours of... Uh, being transferred there. This is this is crazy. Yeah, this is this is a story that's been a long time coming. This guy has been, you know, he was a big, as you said, a big mob guy in Boston. Was on the lam for a long time. You know, this whole story we just keep hearing about Whitey Bulger, Whitey Bulger. Um, but according to the information that I had read over he was as you said killed not long after arriving in the prison and they are stating that an individual by the name of freddie geese i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly g-e-a-s he is apparently a known mafia hitman and was doing some time for another murder he and another one of his cohorts had been convicted of and right now in the news the authorities are saying that he and possibly another individual are responsible for the bulger death well as as i've heard it um said many times before and this is even uh quoting uh, a couple of uh, mainstream newscasters who have basically been reporting on this story on various networks uh, Whitey Bulger uh, lived by the sword uh, and, uh, in essence, uh, died by the sword. Now, obviously, that's a, a euphemism, but, uh, you know, this guy committed and was convicted of several violent acts uh, in his time uh, on Earth, and uh, a, a violent act brought him down uh, and caused the end of his life. And let and let's reiterate. I mean, Whitey Bulger. I I guess there's a lot of of uh, of details surrounding this that we don't know as of yet. Uh, we are hearing through several media outlets. I heard this on CNN and also on uh, NBC News. Uh, they are talking about uh, an investigation that somebody in the Federal Department of Corrections, I believe, is looking into as to why uh, James Whitey Bulger was moved from protective custody uh, into general population. Uh, who made that call? Uh, a lot of questions wanting to be answered, and uh, uh, I don't know for certain if, uh, if Whitey Bulger was, on, uh, was in protective custody uh, at the previous uh, institution he was, but I know when he was moved to the West Virginia facility, I believe from what I understand he was to be transferred to general population. So, um, again, uh, a lot of details we don't know about this, but uh, Whitey Bulger and uh, the, the initial investigation is saying that uh, the death was not natural causes, that he was indeed murdered uh, inside the 
walls of a West Virginia federal institution. Um, in, incredible stuff uh, happening right now in, in the news. But uh, we'll, we're going to have to get to more of that when we have more details uh, concerning that. And uh, Ty, I know that you and I spoke of this before uh, we went live. A lot going on with the midterms coming up uh, in just, what is it, like six days, something like that? Yeah, this, well, I'll back up a second. A lot of people have it in mind that the midterm elections really don't mean much, and it's quite the opposite. There's always a lot at stake during the midterm elections. That's basically when your um, balance of power in the House of Representatives and the Senate is determined. And, of course, the Democrats and the Republicans both want to pick up as many seats as they can to either win back control or expand their control. However, this year it seems to be an even bigger deal. Um, there, For instance, there was a comment made, I believe it was in Variety magazine, by famous actor James Cromwell referring to the fact that if um, the Democrats don't win back Congress, that there would be revolution, there would be blood in the streets. He, of course, come out yesterday and tweeted a retraction saying that his words were taken out of context, that he's not actually advocating death and violence and all of that sort of thing, but um, more to the notion that if Trump and his party are allowed to control the White House and Congress, that because of their actions, there would be more death and more blood in the streets. Um, so basically, I took that as during the magazine interview, he tried a moment of being the tough guy and you know, spouted off his own brand alpha male bullshit, and then when it didn't react real well with the public, then he backstepped and said, oh, no, 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 my words were taken completely out of context, so now he's in the cover-your-ass mode of thinking. But um, that's just one example. This is This is a huge midterm election. Because you just know if the Democrats get the balance of power, even if they can force it through or not, they're going to attempt to impeach um, Trump and Pence. It's just a given. They're going to try to do it. And to be honest with you, uh, I, I, I just don't understand why. Well, I understand why, because they don't like the man, because as I have stated before on this podcast and others that I have been a part of, President Trump is not your traditional uh, politician in the fact that truly this is the first time he's held a political office anywhere. He was never a governor. He was never a senator. He was never a mayor of a town, for crying out loud. And he runs for the highest office in our land and wins. Used his own money, didn't call in any political favors or any backing from anybody, and won. And he ran on a no-nonsense, 
I'm going to take back control of this country, give it back to the people, protect its families, protect its citizens, and do what's right for the nation. And you know what? A lot of people on both sides of the aisle can't handle that. You know, he's just a regular working, well, I won't say a working, regular working class American because the guy's a, a billionaire, but, you know, he's a self-made billionaire. He was a smart uh, person in, in making his money, and uh, he has proven that the American dream is certainly very much achievable. And uh, I, I support him because he does want to stick up for this country. And it's just a shame that people on both sides of the aisle, at least if they don't agree with him, won't respect the fact that he is trying to stick up for this nation and do what the oaths that he swore to, uh, you know, makes it. You know, he's adhering to his oath. Yeah. Just don't get it, Tom. I... I think you can say a lot of shit about President Trump, but at least he's out there, and if he believe if he has a particular stance or belief on a situation, he just says it. He doesn't, you know, like the typical politician, he doesn't speak for half an hour to say next to nothing. He's just blunt. He's just out there. Okay, here's the situation. Here's what I think. And you're right. A lot of people can't handle that. They can't handle the unvarnished truth and somebody just saying, here it is like I see it. And I think... Yeah, the word filibuster is not in uh, Donald Trump's vocabulary. Oh, no. He's just he's just out there. and. The one thing that, and you can say that this is being opportunistic or dirty pool or whatever your particular phrase might be for this, but I think when he saw the um, presidential election shaping up, he knew that he had a good shot to be the Republican nominee, and he knew that he would either be going up against Bernie Sanders who is even too far out in left field for a lot of liberals, or he would be going up against Hillary Clinton, who has a lot of accusations about, you know, some things that are pretty criminal and whether they can be proven or not. And um, she's done a few other things, like the whole uh, email scandal and the Benghazi thing that rubbed a lot of people in the country the wrong way. So I think... A lot of dirt under her her, uh, her uh, welcome mat. Right. And I think he looked at that and said, you know what? Either one of these, doesn't matter which one of these two gets the Democratic nomination, they're, they're far enough out there for various reasons that I'm pretty sure I could win. And he took his opportunity, he went for it, and he won. Now, you can say, like I said, that that's him being opportunistic, like a fucking flu bug or whatever, or however you want to describe it. He saw his shot, he took it, and he was successful with it. And I admire him for that, for that right there. Seizing the moment and just going for it. Whether I agree with his stances on any particular issue, I at least admire the dude for saying what he thinks and for taking opportunity and trying to go as far with it as he can. 
And his presidency is barely two years old. We're barely to the halfway point of Donald Trump's presidency. And here are some facts. Here are some facts for everybody, on no matter what political affiliation that you uh, tend to back or believe. And, and facts that are not just reported on by uh, his administration, reported by several different news sources. So you can look it up. You can confirm it. African-American unemployment, all-time low. History of the country. Same way with Asian-American. Unemployment, all-time low. Women in the workplace, unemployment at an all-time, well, I won't say all-time low, but in a 65-year low. And in a recent press conference, the president says that his administration is making uh, moves to try to make that an all-time low as well. He says it's not enough. It's a disappointment to him that it's only 65 years. He wants to be the, the, the have the lowest unemployment rate for those particular uh, groups of people in the history of this nation. And to be honest with you, two out of three ain't bad, but all three making it a, uh, a clean sweep would be very, very good on his presidential resume, in my opinion. And, and I really don't see why so many people are upset with him. Yes, he's controversial. Yes, he says what he means, but he's getting results. Um, and this little thing about building a wall and about protecting our borders, I believe sometime back, now it's been quite a few years, way before either you and I's time, time or their time, but there was this little country called China that built a wall that was well, let's just say it was pretty great. And it was to protect the borders of their nation from the Mongolians coming in and making war with their nation. They wanted to protect their sovereignty. So they built a wall. Did I see people kicking up back then? Did anyone kick up about that then? I mean, the history books as we reported don't recall history like that. So I really don't see what the big deal is for the president wanting to build a wall now. It's good enough for China to protect their nation, their sovereignty, the safety of their citizens. Then why isn't it good enough for us? Agreed. And I would like to just go back and touch base on the unemployment point that you brought up. Um, the, those numbers are absolutely great. We need to get our people working and making their own money so they're not dependent on the government. And I think, I know as a working class person, I feel better when I earn a paycheck and I can pay my bills and buy my food and buy my wife nice things and say, I earned every penny of that. I didn't get a handout from anybody. I earned that. And I think a lot of other Americans would agree with that kind of, you know, we always say pride is a bad thing, but a little bit of personal pride in the fact that you're taking care of business and you're taking care of your own. There's really not, I don't feel that there's anything really wrong with that. I think it's the right spirit. And one thing that really pisses off the Democrats is when there's more people out there working, there's less people dependent on the government. And when there's less people dependent on the government, then there's less people kissing their asses to get along with them. It's all about control. I firmly believe that the Democrats want to keep people oppressed so they 
flock to them and say, oh, you know, we're, we don't have jobs. We can barely eat. Help us, help us, help us. We'll do anything you want us to do. We'll vote for you till the end of time. Just help us, help us, help us. It's kind of like a dope dealer getting a junkie hooked on dope. They first, they sell them the pure uncut shit. So they're guaranteed to be hooked in a very short time. And then over the weeks and months, they start cutting down their shit. They, you know, they're not giving them the pure stuff anymore. They're um, watering it down and watering it down to the point where the addict is coming back. And instead of spending $40 a day, they're spending $300 a day because they're buying more stuff. And then the dealer just sets back and watches the cash roll in because they got the, they've got all these junkies hooked. It's the same thing. The Democratic Party is just trying to hook people, and then they're milking them dry. That's what it is. And that's what people, when it comes to that particular subject of the employment, that's what really pisses off the Democrats. I'm going to play the devil's advocate here, Ty, because you said something about milking the unemployed dry. If they are unemployed, what do they have to offer the Democrats they are milking them dry of? Their dignity, their self-respect. Um, a better life. It's just, we don't care how many of you we have to step on and crush to keep ourselves in power. It's, uh, it's like, uh, using people up, like, you know, using a Kleenex and throwing it in the trash can. There's millions more out there. We'll just get more. That's what I'm talking about when I say they're milking the voters and the people of this country dry. They're bleeding them out. They're, spiritually demoralizing their base. They're they're killing their own people to stay in power, essentially, is what I'm saying. Okay. And, 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 you know, I I see that, and and you make a great analogy with the the drug junkie uh, reference. You know, I, I can honestly see that. Are we smart enough as a nation to realize this, though? That's the problem. Um, I don't... I'm not sure that the brainwashed masses really are anymore. Between all of the drugs, big pharmaceutical companies are pimping out to everybody, and the shit diet most people have with pre-processed foods and the brainwashing nonsense on television you know what i'm at like a 50 50 i really don't know if the um average democrat is a smart enough to see what's going on or b can wake out get woke up out of their drug slash um, television propaganda induced coma to realize what's going on. And I think that you bring up a good point of, about uh, the media being a, a powerful ally to uh, anyone who wants to manipulate it uh, in, into uh, drinking the Kool-Aid, we'll say. Um, recently, I saw a car commercial and I know that this is probably going to get me some heat uh, with uh, the homosexual population, and I just want to come out here and say I don't have anything against homosexual people. It's the lifestyle I don't agree with. 
you know, it's, and I know they're going to come back and say, well, you can't choose who you love, so on and so forth, and blah, 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 blah. And, and uh, I, I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> I, I, I really, honest to goodness, don't. I, I think when it comes down to to that, well, that's a different argument for a different time. But there was a car commercial, and I'm not going to say which brand or anything like that because I'm not going to have anybody free pub here. But in this car commercial, you see the car driving by and in dimly lit streets, and then you go through a, uh, I'll just reference it as a kaleidoscope of different couples and you know you see the the the, uh, the males and the females kiss and so on real quick. But during that time, you also see a couple of homosexual couples uh, kissing just ever so briefly during that little quick uh, little interlude that they have with that. And you're seeing this more and more uh, in in everyday life. On every time that you turn on the TV, you're you're seeing. Uh, this kind of orientation, as I like to refer to it as, uh, basically letting the world know that, uh, at least uh, as we understand it, that this kind of thing uh, is is okay. They want to tell you, well, oh, it's all right, it's all right. And and being the the person that I am, I I, I disagree with the, with with the homosexual lifestyle, but it's the media once again wanting to say that well this is okay and that's okay it's okay to do this it's okay to do that you know so we're going to go ahead and indoctrinate it to you just a little bit more subtly but we're always going to be putting the notion in your head that everything is permissible and so on and so forth and it just goes to the point of what you're saying about uh, the democrats and i truly believe this uh, they always get on there and talk about how uh, during their watch crime is down so much. Well, yeah, you want to know how you do it? You change a lot of the legislations to make what was illegal legal. That's how you you drop your crime. I mean, this uh, Ohio ballot issue one that we have talked about in a previous podcast is a perfect example of that. I yeah. just don't get it. Yeah, and I'll point out another example of that whole um, bait, uh, two examples of the whole bait and switch. It's like back when Bill Clinton was president in the nineties, you know, everybody touted him. Oh, President Clinton, you know, he balanced the budget and he's getting us out of debt. Yeah. You know how he did that? He taxed the fuck out of everything that in, in consequence, yes, he balanced the budget and we had a budget surplus, but he also destroyed the manufacturing sector of our economy and in return destroyed the middle class. But, you know, nobody says that. They always say, oh, he's the president that balanced the budget. He was a working man's president. Um, no, I don't think so. And another prime example of that is I can remember back in the election when um, Barack Obama was running for re-election against Mitt Romney. I kept hearing it from people that we know and on the television when they would do on-the-street interviews, the big thing that kept coming up was, oh, don't vote for Romney because he's going to slash and burn the welfare system and you'll get all your food stamps pulled away from you. You'll lose all your support. And that was a big driving force of a lot of people voted for Obama just because they were afraid they were going to lose their food stamps. And then you know what happened after he got elected? He ended up cutting food stamps himself. Yeah, they passed a farm bill and bundled into the farm bill was a welfare reduction program where they cut 
billions of dollars out of the food stamp budget for every family that's on food stamps. So their big savior in the food stamp kingdom wound up kicking them in the nuts after they elected him. Those are just two big-time examples in recent history of the Democrats' exploitation of their ba- of their supposed base and then the whole bait-and-switch. I I will be, I will freely admit, when I was a young man, when I was 18 and old enough to vote, that was when Bill Clinton was running for president, and I voted for Bill Clinton just because, you know, I was in college at the time, and it was one of them young idealistic things. You know, he's a Southern Democrat. He's going to change things. He's going to shake things up and work for the working man. And I tell you what, ever since then, since I was old enough to get out on my own and work jobs and see how the world really worked, I have never voted for a Democrat since then, and I never will. And I think you bring up a good point. I mean, we're all young and dumb at one point, and, you know, it's just a question of whether or not we grow out of our idiocy. Uh, A lot of young people, college-age kids, 18, 21, 18 to, what, uh, 25 or so, I I don't know, whatever they call the millennials now. Um, but, But there is, a, I guess, that particular group, Predominantly, always folks Democrat because you know that's that's the party age. We'll we'll say you know you get around eighteen, you know you you're moving out of mom and dad's house, you're going out, you're experiencing life, or so you think for the first time. You're getting out there and trying new things, doing new things, and, and wow, it sounds like I'm almost writing a uh, a party rock, rock song here or something. <laughs> I think I've heard this one before, but um, anyway. Uh, but you you want to continue that party for as long as you can, and I think people uh, that are that age tend to uh, vote that particular way because you know they don't want the party to enter in ever end. Excuse me, and it seems like the um, the Democratic Party kind of falls into that because they're more into I won't say law lawlessness, but um, they have that unruliness about them where they just think that everything is permissible. And I, I don't want to, to run them down here, but I've not been shown anything different. Yes, you're going to see the commercials. Well, uh, this person did this or did that, and boy, it was really great. But, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to big issues that I'm truthfully concerned about, what have they done for it besides not a whole lot? Yeah, and I can, I completely agree with you, Rob. And um, I just trying to think of the way to word this properly, so I so I get my point across. Um, must be the cold medicine. I can't think straight. That's all right. I think we're all a, a little bit uneasy about this particular midterms because I'm I'm 41 years old and I have to say and and I've not always been you know in involved in politics and really concerned because I figured well you know at the end of the day the politicians are going to do what they're going to do and things are just going to be the way it is and I'm not going to be able to really change anything And, and maybe that's still true to this very moment but I find that this is the most important midterm election 
maybe leading up to the most important presidential election in the history of this nation in my lifetime. Uh, and quite I, honestly, with all the threats that have been retracted or all the innuendo or however it is that you want to say, we are living in very dangerous, very dark time if you are, if you are, well, I won't say Republican, but I want to say, I want to go as far as to say is that someone like, like myself has to be a minority anymore because I'm a white, heterosexual, married, Christian, working class male. And I'm a minority because out there, you know, I, I have certain beliefs, certain things that I believe in, and everybody else uh, believes different than I. And I get run down for that <laughs> on a regular basis. Yeah. And I got to say, I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm absolutely not. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with you. Um, one of the things that I was going to say is along the lines of the whole trust issue, I don't, honest, honest, 100% honest, I don't know how anybody who earns an hourly wage could ever vote or trust the Democratic Party after the decades upon decades of exploitation of the working class and what is commonly referred, you know, the poor people are referred to are, you know, nation's most vulnerable citizens because the Democrats are out there shaking hands with people in public housing projects when it comes election time. And then, you know, taking every, going out of their way to take every opportunity they can away from them to get back on their own feet. And, um, provide for themselves, their families, and, you know, have some personal dignity and a little bit of personal pride and self-respect. I do not know. I mean, I work with people who are very intelligent people who have master's degrees and doctorate degrees, and listening to them ramble on about how great the, some, some of them ramble on about how great the Democratic Party is and this and that, and I just, I'm like, wow, you've got a, you've got two master's degrees, seriously? And listening to their bullshit justification for, as to why they think the Democratic Party is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, I just don't get it. It's so blatant and out there. It's just unreal. And I will say this in complete fairness, that there is a lot of whining and mudslinging from both the conservatives and the liberals. But you have to be completely honest and say, with the pissing and moaning and whining and the I'm not getting what I want, the Democrats whine a hell of a lot harder and a hell of a lot louder than the Republicans do. Um, it's just it's just fact. that That's the crybaby party. <laughs> And, you know, I, and, and this is a message to all of our political leaders right now, and, and to anybody, honestly, who is thinking about voting enough in these midterms, I want you to do this for me. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm thankful for, the, for these organizations. I'm thankful for McDonald's, for Burger King, for Wendy's, places like those, not just because I'm a fat dude and I like to eat. 
<laughs> Not just because of that. But I'm thankful for those folks because you know exactly how many of, I won't say senior citizens, but retirement age citizens of this country that have retired from their regular job and their pension has been cut because of political pressure. They can't get Social Security for whatever reason. They can't get Medicare benefits because of of, uh, political cuts, government cuts. They can't afford their medications that they that they need to be on. So you know what they've had to do? They've had to go back out and go into the workforce again. They've had to start flipping burgers. Not to say that that is a demeaning job or anything like that, because God bless you. I appreciate those people that fix me a sandwich when I go through the drive-through. I honest to goodness do. And that stands for the the, the restaurant slash food industry, one of the hardest industries to work in. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't pay enough. You don't get any kind of respect. Ty, you and I have both been there. We know what it's about. So this is nothing new to us. But, but you've got 60-plus, 60 65-plus-year-old uh, people who should be sitting back, you know, watching their grandkids play, talking to their children, so on and so forth, hanging out, uh, you know, just enjoying their retirement. But no, because of the government cuts that have been made on both sides of the aisle, they have to go out and go into the workforce again. And I want people that are running for for office right now to go into those Burger Kings, into those McDonald's, and shake hands with all of those uh, people that are retirement age and employed by those people. And I want them to look them all in the face and apologize to them and say, I'm sorry that we made all the cuts and you have to go back to work, and you can't afford your medication. You can't afford to stay in your own home anymore. You had to move out because you couldn't afford your mortgage on the pension that we took because we're greedy and we're selfish. We're no longer in any offense, maybe, but we still got secret service. See, that's another thing, Ty, that really, really burns my biscuits. Forgive the food euphemisms. But it really burns my biscuits. Why in the hell do we still pay for Secret Service agents on past presidents and senators and and all this other nonsense, they're no longer in office. They got they had their their fun in the sun, so to speak. Let them go off and live on their ranch or their uh, condo or whatever it is that they're doing. You know, they're regular John Q. Public now. Okay, so they're a past president. Henceforth, past president. They're already receiving a paycheck for life for that job. For crying out loud, do they really need? Secret Service agents around them 24-7? I mean, we still do have gun laws in this country if they're that afraid for their life. Buy a firearm. You still have the right to bear arms in this country, I think. We still have repeal that, which I'm not advocating violence by any way, shape, or form. I want to make that point publicly clear. But I just want to say that, you know, the rest of us have to fend for ourselves. You know, we have to buy our own food. We have to, you know, support ourselves. We have to pay our own mortgages and so on and so forth. We don't have government assistance. We certainly don't have our own private security team walking around us all the time making sure that our home is secure and our our being and our person is secure all the time at taxpayers' expense. That's my point. It's idiotic. 
these, these politicians need to go in, shake the hands of all the people that they have screwed over with their stupid cuts to Medicare and so on and so forth. And just, hey, if our senior citizens that are on retirement have to get a job, then so the rest of these people on welfare who legitimately don't need it need to get a job too. Straight shooting. Yeah, and I agree. Um, they squander away so much money on that bullshit. I mean, if I if I got downsized out of my job today, if the company was going to be nice and give me a severance check, I'd probably get something like a week's pay for every year I've been there, and they would extend my health care insurance for three to six months after my departure date, and then that's it. Okay, I can see doing something like that for a senator or a governor or even a president, but after six months or a year when the severance runs out, you know, sink or swim just like everybody else. You know, I could... And I don't get why um, retired presidents still get have the opportunity to get security, uh, confidential information security briefings from the CIA and the FBI, just like the sitting president. It's not your fucking job anymore. You know, the CIA director. What's that? I was. I forgive my interruption, but it's not their business anymore. I mean, and to be honest with you, maybe that's one of the reasons why we have so much political discord, uh, okay? And, and, you know, maybe everybody is, oh, yes, we're sworn to secrecy, and so on and so forth. And, yes, we can't tell any of this, but how many things have gone on in the Trump administration that maybe have gotten back to President Clinton? You know, maybe that's one of the reasons why there is so much alleged news leaks and, and, and things like that. What's going on? What's going on in Donald Trump's bedroom is not my concern. The way he runs the country is the way is my concern. Okay, I didn't care when Bill and Monica Lewinsky had their little thing, and nobody cared when JFK and Maryland had their little uh, illicit situation, whatever that was, way back when. Yeah. I mean, truth be told, did anybody really care? No. No. Nobody gave a shit. I mean, I no, 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 no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm on a tirade. you got to forgive me. It's okay. I mean, I really dislike Bill Clinton for a lot of reasons, but his little soiree with Monica Lewinsky, that's between him and Hillary. It's their marriage. I don't give a shit. And you're right. Nobody else does either. Um, I get so tired of the supposed sex scandals and this. It's any way they can think to try to attack. And what they don't understand is, okay, so they're attacking their political co- opponent. Maybe sometimes they're successful and they weaken their political opponent. But ultimately, they're just weakening the country with this divisiveness. And it goes back to what I have said many times. The biggest problem in this country is not, um, are your politics liberal or conservative? It's what is your maturity level? I see a lot of motherfuckers growing older, but I don't see a lot of motherfuckers growing up. That is the problem right there. Amen. And there's this little thing, Tyrus, that I like to say you know, instead of all the mudslinging, what issues do you represent? 
what is the issues you're going to try to fix? What are you politically opposed on? What issue do we need to have a compromise on? What 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 needs to be uh, attack? Don't attack a person for their uh, for their personal uh, this or that, you know, because we all have indiscretions. We've all got dirt under our welcome mat. I mean, it's just it goes without saying. But what issue? Because we're hiring these people to do a job. I did not hire Donald Trump to film an X-rated movie for me. <laughs> Nor would I have. Just the thought of this next statement kind of gives me the chills. Nor would I, Mrs. Clinton. And I'll pause here for a moment for for the laughter to calm down for everybody at home. Right, that's a fucking visual that I didn't need. Yeah, yeah, and and my apologies. And I am being a bit facetious right now, but. Um, I did not. I don't care what's going on in their bedroom. I I am voting for somebody because I want them to do a certain job based on the issues, not on whether or not the person is a good or bad person. I want to know: Will they? Do they have a history of doing the job concerning the issues? Do they have a history of taking care of what I believe needs taken care of? And I think that this country has completely forgotten. Why we hire our political leaders? Yeah, they're here to represent the American people and look out for the best interests of the American people. And I keep saying American people because that is the American people. As heartless as this sounds, they're not elected and paid to represent all of the illegal immigrants coming into this country. Those are not the American people. Um, I think that is something that has been greatly lost sight of as well. And I think that's something that's been made very apparent that it's going to, which I think this is, and I'm not trying to buy into the Internet conspiracy theorists out there that are saying, you know, that all of this is, is more than just coincidence, you know, con concerning the midterms and uh, the pipe bombs that we spoke of a little bit earlier with uh, uh, with the gentleman that was just taken into custody, uh, custody, excuse me, tongue fell asleep for a moment, and and all of that, you know. But you do have to think that you know while all of this is sort of coinciding one another uh, with this midterm elections, we know the Democratic agenda. There has been a lot of Democrats that have publicly came out and said that if uh, the House and the Senate is democratically controlled, if there's a majority, that they're going to look to impeach President Trump. My thought on that, before we get to um, our next topic, Tyrus, is from what I understand, um, there probably will not be a special election or anything like that. Uh, it's not like a Democrat will be able to take the big seat immediately. Am, am I right? This would go to Vice President Pence. He would be sworn in as the new president if President Trump is impeached. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong in that. Uh, no, you are exactly right. So let's do the hypothetical. Say they do the impeachment proceedings. Uh, Trump is impeached. Uh, um, Vice President Pence would move up to be president. And there is a succession of government. And I don't recall if he would appoint somebody from the cabinet to be the next vice president or the highest ranking Republican member of Congress would automatically move up and become vice president. 
But then if they impeach Pence, then it's just, you know, everybody moves up another rung on the ladder. If there's still going to be a fucking Republican president, it's not like by getting rid of Trump, you're going to solve all your problems magically. And to be honest with you, I'm not so sure that this is a a real solid move by Democrats anyway, because even though Mike Pence is a very soft-spoken man, and from all accounts, a pretty decent individual outside of being a politician, this guy is a hard ass. I mean, pure and simple. I mean, he does not... He, he doesn't put on the show. He doesn't you know, speak as vocally or as loudly or as colorfully as uh, our president. But this guy is very set in his ways, and he is, from what I understand, very ultra-conservative, and he don't like to back up from anybody. So if the, the, the Democrats think that they have a problem with President Trump, making VP Pence the president, making him the guy, holding the big seat... Uh, I think it would be the proverbial from the frying pan into the fire with Vice President Pence holding the big job. Yes, um, I would concur with you on that. And um, since we're still on the subject of the midterm election, I just sitting here doing a Google search here. They have a particular um, political poll that's called the real clear poll basically what they do is they take all the major polling places in the country and they add them all together and get an average of what basically all the major polls are saying right now they've got the democrats lean they've got the um, midterm election leaning towards the democrats favor by about seven points Okay, so if you're a, a Republican leaner, I mean, you know, there there is some distance there, but it certainly is not insurmountable uh, if, if you're a Republican leaner. And, and again, I'm not trying to come out here and completely slam Democrats and so on and so forth. I'm just wanting people to pull their heads out of their backsides for a minute and see just exactly what's going on in front of them. You know, you know, don't believe everything that you read or see in the media and so on and so forth. And I, and I know that probably a lot of our listeners out there are probably going to say, well, why should we believe you guys? Because we're just speaking the truth, uh, at least as we see it, <laughs> as we see it. Right. And I, I'd like to and, just add a note in there that right now it's six to seven points leaning Democrat. Um, back during the um, presidential election, the Trump versus Clinton election, uh, Hillary Clinton was the favorite. All the polls on the day of election says that she was going to win. She had, depending on which one you read, she had anywhere from a 7 to a 12-point lead. And we all know how that turned out. So polls can be a little bit of an indicator, but don't trust them all the time because a it's like anything else. If you want to see if a Democrat's going to win, so then they look up registered voters and they call and questionnaire 12 registered voters, you can be assured 10 of them's going to be Democrats and vice versa on the other side. So not all of this shit is done on the level and fair. It's kind of slanted. So just because right now the polls are saying um, things are leaning in the Democrats' favor. 
when the votes are tallied, the reality of it may be much different. And I know there's another thing that's been called into question a lot here, especially the last several election, is, is what vote counts and what votes don't count. I know that I, I forget the state, but um, there was a state that actually um, is suing its um, the, there's there's some individuals, a group uh, that are filing, I believe, a, a class action suit against a particular state. And, I, and again, I forget a lot of the particulars concerning this. But what it boils down to is they felt that there was a new law that wasn't uniform enough, and it's supposedly discriminatory towards African Americans concerning registration to vote in that particular state. So, again, when it comes down to it, well, it's just like the election of 2000. We actually, what, didn't know who our president once uh, was going to be until uh, just days before the technical swearing in of uh, eventual President uh, George W. Bush uh, because a federal court judge decided that, not the Electoral College, certainly not the people um, through popular vote, but a, a federal court judge decided that President Bush was going to be president. And, uh, you know, that kind of soured me on the election process anyway because it showed me that uh, a lot of times, and I'm not saying not to go out and vote because absolutely you have to go out and vote, but it says to me whose vote counts and whose vote doesn't count uh, concerning that. And I think this goes much farther than your... Uh, than this African-American uh, alleged uh, discrimination suit. You know, it, it could just be something that can be taken care of with uh, a little bit of last-minute legislation, which, if, if there is anything to it at all, as I said, I really don't know enough about it, but it's just going to my point. Uh, there's so many people out there saying, well, is my vote going to count? Can I get registered? What do I have to do to get registered? And if I do... Uh, what about absentee ballots? Uh, do I have, is, is there, uh, uh, there has been, of course, again, this is internet speculation. And God only knows what you're going to read out there. But, um, there's people saying, you know, it, there's people doubling down, voting several times as absentee ballots. And, and, and you kind of always wonder about things like that. So how exactly accurate is the voting process, um, when it comes to, um, you know how things are counted and and, and this and that. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a crazy situation, crazy times we're living in, and uh, I, I think I've really kind of beat that point into the ground. <laughs> right, well, you know, the, as we've stated many times, the, the, this midterm seems to be a bigger deal than well any that I can remember. Um. There seems to be a lot at stake here. And I think, if nothing else, after the votes are counted on election night and we start seeing some results, we're going to see which way the nation has decided to lean. And I heard a an actor, and for the life of me, I can't remember which actor it was. It was a rather famous guy. He made the statement on a talk show, a late night talk show once, that liberals tend to live in the, you know, 
the whole wishing on a perfect world and uh, hopes and dreams and that kind of thing. And uh, Republicans, conservatives, keep that kind of thought in mind, but tend to live more towards the aspect of, you know, here's the real world. This is what we have to deal with, not what we wish we could be dealing with right now. And I think you're going to see, you're going to see which way the nation is going to sway one election night. And I hope it's on rationality and living in the now and living in the real world and working on our current problems and not woulda, shoulda, coulda, and all of that kind of thing. I'm really hoping that. I hope that as well. I mean, because let's just face it, I mean, this this isn't uh, the, the time of Warden June Cleaver anymore. You know, this isn't the, 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 the time of the of the worst thing that can happen is little Fluffy getting stuck in the treetop and you got to call the fire department, you know, to have uh, Fireman Bob, you know, get him down. I mean, <laughs> we, we've moved beyond that into a whole mess of, uh, of new issues. And um, I, as I'm going to echo what you said, I hope that we as rational thinking human beings, citizens of this country, can use our heads as opposed to using other parts of our anatomy and vote in a moral, proper, real deal manner as opposed to what an alternative could be. Because quite honestly, I think with the way our nation is heading, we are heading towards a nation of chaos, and, let's, and that hurts everybody, whether they believe democratically, Republican, whatever. It hurts everybody on that side of the aisle, because at the end of the day, the politicians, for the most part, are going to do what they want to do. As you stated in your example with the Mitt Romney-Barack Obama situation, Everybody, uh, Mitt Romney was, was, was painted very poorly in, in concerning to welfare. And what did the President Obama do? He cut welfare once he was elected. Case in point. Yep. Our leaders are going to do what they want to do, regardless of how you vote and what they promise you. Maybe that's kind of ironic that the one thing a lot of people on both sides, both conservatives and liberals can agree on, is that the country is so polarized that we are on the brink of um, Civil War 2.0. I mean, I think it's kind of ironic that everybody can seem to agree on that, but we can't agree on the best way to take care of our financial system, to take care of our... um veterans and our retirees and our disabled people and all of that sort of thing and on and on and on. But at least we can agree on the fact that we hate each other enough we're about to have a second world war. Or second hey, civil war. Honest, Sorry about that. I know you're you're fine, Ty. Uh, and it shouldn't have to be that way. It should not have to be that way. I mean it goes back to what you're saying about and, and I say this about a lot of us, because 
a lot of people will say that we're sitting here calling, you know, uh, liberal people, you know, whiners and selfish and so on. And to be honest with you, us as conservatives, you know, we're just selfish. But we we want harmony. You know, we want morality. We want things that are good for this country as we see them. And to be honest with you, I just can't see where uh, democratic lawlessness, what could I can't even get it out because this next phrase I'm going to use is disgusting. Uh, just to think about it, domestic terrorism, and it could lead to that. And as you said, civil war 2.0. Right, and, and it's I look at it kind of on this. I don't know if this will help our listeners kind of see it in the rationale that I look at it. But I want a lot of things that, and again, it's obvious I lean towards the conservative side, but as a conservative, I want a lot of things that the Democrats want. Like I want gender and racial um, equality. I want jobs for everybody. I want schools to be safe. I want water to be clean. I want our nation to be safe. I want our nation to be respected around the world. But the big difference here is, is I want those things because it's the right thing to do. I don't want those things because if everything's um doing better, then that benefits me. So it's like, it's like the other side saying, I want all of this, but my hidden agenda is, is I want all of this because it benefits me and it, it makes my life better. Um, yeah, it, everybody wants their lives better, but it's the right thing to do to treat people fairly and to make sure everybody's safe and everybody's not being poisoned by shitty drinking water like up in Flint, Michigan and all of that. It's just the right thing to do. It's not a thing I'm going to support it because it benefits me and I can get more out of it. And it's hard for people, a lot of people to see that. But to me, that is the biggest difference between a conservative and a liberal is you want things to go right just because it's the right thing to do, not just because you can um, pocket more shit from it. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe that I'm not explaining myself clearly, but sometimes that's kind of hard to see. There's a big difference whether people want to admit it or not. And as I said, uh, this upcoming Tuesday, uh, November the 6th, is the midterms. And I guess we're going to have to wait and see uh, just exactly how things are going to uh, shape up concerning that. And, you know, regardless, um, and, and this is the one thing I want to end this particular um, topic on, is consequences whether you lean left or lean right or whatever it is that you feel, there's going to be consequences of this particular election. You may not feel them initially, but I would say within a good six months to a year, we'll start seeing widespread national consequences due to it. I feel that strongly. Now, maybe it'll be good, maybe it'll be bad, yet to be determined, remains to be seen. But there will be consequences. So when you go out there and vote, make sure that you have that in mind. 
because the consequences could very well be negative and it could very well affect you personally or someone you know and love personally. Just keep that in mind when you go to the polls this upcoming Tuesday. And I, I would just keep the, I just like to revisit. Uh, sorry about that, Rob. I just want to revisit a topic from our first podcast about Ohio ballot issue one. You had stated that just a moment ago that the repercussions will not be seen immediately, but over time it will be seen. Um, I think that's what you're going to see if Ohio ballot issue one passes. You won't. It may be even on the upfront side of it, you will see money being saved and people will tout it as a good idea. But I think in the long run, if that initiative passes, as more time goes on and the waters uh, recede, so to speak, you will see that it's causing a lot, it will cause a lot of damage in a lot of different aspects of society. So this is just my last quick effort to just tell the citizens and the, the voters of Ohio, issue one is a bad deal. I would really, really strongly suggest that you vote no on it. Well, not only that, I've got some friends in Ohio, uh, Tyrus, and they've actually been in touch with me and said that uh, uh, while they're working and so on and so forth for the last several days, they've actually had an automated phone call from the office of uh, a female Ohio State Supreme Court justice. And uh, this individual, which I can't remember uh, the justice's name, they might have told me, and I'm going to have to look this up to be sure. But from what I understand, this Supreme Court justice is actually petitioning uh, voters to uh, vote against this uh, amendment. Uh, so at least somebody on the Ohio State Supreme Court is already looking at this and, and agreeing with, with our point of view. Uh, and saying, hey, you know, this is a bad idea. At least that's what I would understand if she's going out there and saying, hey, you know, you should vote no for this. Uh, I mean, you know, that's maybe not the most appropriate uh, tactic, but, you know, the, the lady, whether she's a uh, political pundit or not, um, still has the right to her opinion and being that uh, she's an Ohio State Supreme Court justice, uh, maybe her opinion carries a little bit more weight. <laughs> you know, just just saying. But I will have to get uh, get with you on the lady's name uh, for certain for a future podcast, and hopefully we can get that on here uh, for a cast before the actual uh, election takes place. So I'll be looking into that uh, for all of our listeners out there. But yeah, issue one in Ohio, not a good idea. I think it'll cause more harm than good. Um, just a piece of unfortunate legislation they're trying to get over and try to pull the wool over the eyes of a lot of good people living in Ohio. Sad. Yes, it is. Uh, now on to our next topic, something else that is sad. Uh, this whole immigrant migration from Honduras to the United States, there's varying... There's varying reports on how many people this involves. Some say, you know, maybe 800 to 1,000. I've heard other reports as, you know, 7,000 plus. But regardless, you know, it's been out there that there's this group of migrants who are 
making their way through Central America, up through Mexico, and uh, apparently their aim is to enter the United States to seek asylum. On the surface, I don't have a problem with this because we are a country that is supposed to look out for the weak and take care of people who are being bullied. That's one of the found, founding cores of our country. But on the flip side of that, it's like I've said many times, if you're going to come into this country, do it right. We can't just have anybody just traipsing in. We don't need serial murderers escaping one country and coming here to start their trade again. We don't need drug lords, drug mules coming here. We don't need somebody with some fucking jungle disease that science hasn't even discovered yet coming here and spreading an unstoppable virus. You know, it's not that we have anything personally against you, but if you're going to come here and seek shelter from the storm, so to speak, do it the right way. We're not just going to open our borders and say, sure, 7,000 people we don't know nothing about. We have no idea if you've got a nuclear bomb on you or 500 metric tons of cocaine or whatever. Sure, just come right on in. Just do whatever the hell you want. No. No. I'm completely against that. And it's also to my understanding from further reading today, there is another group uh, departing shortly that's organizing in El Salvador that's coming this way. So apparently we have two of these groups of migrants seeking shelter. And something that I, I have read, and I don't know the validity of this next statement, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. And certainly it's not been reported by mainstream media. And to be honest with you, I don't trust mainstream media because they only report what they want to report, uh, in my opinion. So I don't think, honestly, that you're hearing uh, the whole story uh, concerning that. Uh, but these uh, migrant groups, I haven't heard about um, the one that you were just speaking about, the Honduran um, migrant group. I've heard that they look more like a military operation because these people are armed. And from from what reports, and again, I, I can't confirm this from mainstream media, so this is all speculation at this point, but these people uh, from the, we'll just say the, uh, I won't call them illegitimate media sources, but they're uh, uh, not media sources that um, are reporting, uh, say, like NBC or CNN or something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll just put it that way. But these other alternative sources, we'll call them, are saying that these particular individuals are armed and could be considered dangerous. Now, one thing I have heard, and this has been all over the mainstream news, you know, CNN, CBS, NBC, uh, the Fox News Network, all of your uh, your mainstream uh, big news players have said that the government of Mexico have already offered jobs and asylum and housing for these migrant people from Honduras once they reach Mexico. And the Mexican government heard a resounding no. Wow. Yeah, I, I find this all a little bit disturbing. I mean, if these people are 
again, you can't take what I reported a moment ago uh, very much uh, with with very much validity because I I got it from from information that uh, uh, I'll just say was an alternative news source and you don't know whether it's speculation or not so we'll just say at this point it's speculation these people could be armed they could be dangerous they could be an organized military operation for all we know and they're headed to the border so. I'm sure that the United States government, the president, and his uh, trusted advisors, especially on the military end, probably knew this one way or another. They, they, they know the facts concerning this, and they're going to act accordingly. And they have, apparently, regardless of what we're being told by mainstream media, they have deployed what, uh, 7,000 uh, National Guardsmen down there, and these are trained military personnel. They are armed, and they are there to back up Border Patrol, from what I understand. Yeah, it's my understanding from the last report I had heard that there was like 5,000 somewhere um, around there uh, military personnel being deployed with various equipment and assets to kind of take care of the situation but you know how it's going to play out you know because trump is outspoken about illegal immigration that's one of his things that got him elected and he's going to deny them entry most likely for a lot of obvious reasons and then it's going to turn into a political satire it's going to be the liberals saying oh you know these poor people they've walked thousands of miles to seek refuge and you know we're supposed to be this helpful friendly nation that takes care of others and you know we're turning these people out of the cold and president trump is just a cold-hearted bastard for doing this and on and on and on you know that's what it's going to turn into and, and I would have to tend to agree with you, but the, but then I would have to counter with this: How many former military servicemen, you know, can't get good health care in this country? You know, they've they've they fought in battle. Maybe they've lost a limb, a body part. Uh, they have health issues due to their time in deployment and in service, and they can't get uh, proper health care. How many starving kids we got in this country that were born here? Born here. Not brought in here from another country. But were born here. Who don't know where their next meal come, is coming from. They have no home. They were living in a homeless shelter or out in the street getting rained on and are left to the whims of life, you know, to see what's going to happen to them. And, and, you know, maybe they don't have any parents or, or anyone looking after them. What about you know these people? And we're supposed to take everybody's problems on to race. I'm sorry. Where does the line get drawn? I've always been of the uh, school of thought that you take care of your own first. I mean, that's just the way I've always been taught. Now, I'm not saying that this group of people migrating this way are bad people. I don't know their motivations, but again, for reasons I discussed in the opening of this segment, I don't 
think they should just be allowed to just walk across the border and move wherever the hell they want in the country. That's just the wrong thing to do. Um, oh, I wholeheartedly concur. I mean, if you want to come over here and become a citizen of this country, I mean, sign the guest book and, and, uh, and do what you're supposed to do. You know, come in here, get a job, pay taxes like the rest of us have to. I mean, you want to, you want all of the perks of being a U.S. citizen? Well, you know, there's some responsibilities of being a U.S. citizen too. You know, you, if 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 uh, you want to dance, you got to pay the band. <laughs> Just that simple. Right, and and this is an. I'm sure we will update on this story in future casts that the ongoing progress of this story because it's just going to keep coming up again and again and again in the media. But yeah, I see this being nothing more than a political chess match with just like every other fucking thing. It's going to be the Republicans saying we might let you in, let us talk to you, let us check out your background and shit a little bit first. Let's make sure nobody's got any anything that's going to do, you know, weapon of mass destruction or anything like that, and we'll talk. And then the Democrats are saying, oh, they're being detained, you know, they're being treated like common criminals, and all they want is refuge from your persecution, just like we did, just like, you know, the people of the Mayflower came over here to seek religious run away from religious persecution and you know that's the way it's going to go this is going to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and after a while it'll be like any other fucking thing people will just forget it's important but people just get so sick and tired of hearing it they'll just forget about it And when as soon as it's brought up on tv they'll switch the channel as soon as they hear a radio commentator talk about it, they'll switch to another radio station just because people will get sick and damn tired of hearing about it. It will be just some long, drawn-out, painful bullshit process that it doesn't need to be. You mentioned detained, and I know that you kind of want to wrap up on, on this edition, but I just want to put this in a little bit in, into perspective. For all of these people out there that are complaining about being detained for whatever reason and so on and so forth and having to be asked questions, think about your last time that you had a traffic stop. Say, you know, it's just a little innocent traffic stop. You might have been going a couple of miles over the speed limit or something like that, and uh, you, you get pulled over by local law enforcement. What's he do? What's that individual do, that officer? He detains you. He asks you for some identification, probably, you know, your, your driver's license, maybe proof of insurance. Uh, he might ask you, uh, you know, what's, what's the deal? You know, why are you going, you know, a couple of miles over the speed limit? Um, as far as that goes, you say whatever it is that you need to say, and then he either decides to either let you off with a warning or, uh, maybe he feels that there's something a little bit more suspicious going on and he searches your car. Uh, or he may decide to write you a ticket. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We're all, when we all experience that, there is always a moment of being detained. So, uh, I, of course, I've not, I've never been in a, in a uh, immigration detention camp. Don't care to be. But the fact of the matter is, is, Still, at the end of the day, if you're worried about being detained, there's still going to be instances in life as a United States citizen where you're going to have to deal with some sort of law enforcement maybe from time to time. 
It's just going to happen. If you drive a car, you drive a little faster or whatever, or you got a broken taillight. And it's, it's not necessarily just for harassment. It's for safety. Of course, you don't want to be driving around out there with a broken taillight. If you need to signal and somebody can't tell you're signaling, that could cause an accident. You're driving a little bit too fast or whatever. You know, that could cause an accident. It's nothing personal. It's just part of being a U.S. citizen and being a part of a driver. And I'm just trying to make an analogy a, a little bit here, maybe a poor one, but it's basically the same premise. You know, there's still stuff you're going to have to deal with if you come across the border from time to time. So just something for the people out there to think about and a little bit of meat for them to chew on. So I, 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 we kicked enough dirt on, 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 on this particular fire for one particular edition. Yeah, I think we're about ready to wrap up. But I have one last point that I would make on a completely different subject, if you'll give me five minutes. Okay, fire away. Right. Today on the news, I was listening to a debate regarding global warming, which has been a big, big thing for decades now. Global warming, this now it's not global warming, now it's climate change. You know, former Vice President Al Gore had his 15 minutes with the two movies he produced, on and on and on. It's, it's just a big deal. Well, I was listening to this debate, and they were going back and forth about what causes climate change, and, you know, it was the standard, you know, the same warm over shit, oh, humans are producing too much greenhouse gases, and then, you know, somebody else would come back and say, no, it's not that, it's, it has to do with changes in the sun, and the sun's causing it, and it, again, it was going back and forth and back and forth, and it got to the point where there was some pretty far out theories as to why we are experiencing climate change. So I thought to myself, okay, I'll throw my hat in the ring. I'll come up with my own theory of climate change. So after thinking about it, here's my theory. I believe that the Earth, just like each one of us, is a living, breathing entity. It has its own personality. It has its own emotions and feelings, just like each and every one of us does. Now, there are 7.6 billion people on this planet. The average person produces about 6 ounces of solid waste daily. If you do the math, that's 520 million tons of fecal matter yearly. I think the whole deal with um, climate change is the Earth is just simply tired of getting shit on and it's fighting back. So I'll stop right there. That's my theory on climate change. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, how are you going to top that? You simply can't. Thank you so much, Ty, for your, your insight. Uh, as always, a visionary uh, of, of podcasting. Always a pleasure doing uh, these with you. I enjoy it. Uh, certainly, we're going to be following uh, all the stories that we have covered this evening and a lot more. So if you enjoyed what you heard tonight, come on back for another edition of the State of the Division. For Tyrus Grimm, I'm Rob Scott. Good night, everyone.